Well, I'm going to take this off because I like to walk about. So I, feel, I felt a wee bit restricted last week with it on this. And then I realised you couldn't hear me as I stepped to the side and all that sort of stuff. But this morning, it's great to be here together again. It's been a good service so far, hasn't it? You know, God's been here. We, we really sense his presence with us. And we're going to be continuing on in our series uh, looking at the gifts of the Spirit. We're now in week six of eight, so you'll be glad to know we're near the end, or maybe that disappoints you, I don't know. Um, but we, we're we on week six of eight, and we're going to stop as we um, as we launch into Advent in a few weeks' time. That's crazy to think, even, isn't it? That it's nearly time for Christmas this year, as went January, February, March, October, November, December, hasn't it? It's just, it just felt like that. Um, but I want to say this, as we've been looking at this spirit, uh, this gift on this series on the gifts of the Spirit, it's been very deliberate. Uh, this has been under the prompting of the Holy Spirit, and there's been a real purpose for this series. For if we have accepted the gift of salvation which Jesus Christ offers to us, the Scriptures tell us that we are marked with the Holy Spirit, in our inner being, that the Holy Spirit lives within us, that we are his, and that we are given the righteousness of Christ. Not only are we covered by the righteousness of Christ, but we are invited and we are in Christ and are given his righteousness. And God is putting us right with himself. It was the prayer of the Apostle Paul that the church would not be uninformed regarding the gifts which the Spirit imparts, but rather that we would eagerly desire these gifts in our lives for the edification, the encouragement, and the building up of the church body. And indeed, that we would be built up ourselves as well. We, we often talk of holiness, don't we? It's one of my buzzwords that I love. And maybe you don't love it, but I do. <laughs> it's one of those buzzwords that has such a deep meaning. And, and as pastors, we had the privilege of, of gathering on Zoom with Dr. Kent Brar from our Nazarene Theological College, who many of you will know. And, and he was teaching us all about holiness. And he said this one line that was revolutionary for me, if I'm honest. It just really hit the nail on the head. We often talk about personal holiness and how we are to be personally holy. And whilst that is right, there is no such thing as individual holiness, but that we are holy in community together. That yes, we have a personal holiness, but it's never an individual thing. It's always in the makeup of the church body growing together. And that is why, that is why we haven't rushed through this series. Some of the older men in our tradition advised me just to do a question and answer session on it one morning and move on. But that's not what the Spirit was saying. We have deliberately not rushed through this series, but we've been very deliberate in ensuring that we as a body as a congregation, as a community, as a family, that we are informed regarding the spiritual gifts. 
And that we're also opening ourselves up to all that God has for us, both personally and corporately as well. And I really pray that you've been encouraged and you've been built up, but that you've been challenged as we've taken time and to consider and study together some of the gifts of the Spirit. Would you believe that we've looked at the gift of wisdom, the gift of knowledge, the gift of service and giving, the gift of prophecy, the gift of teaching, the gift of pastor or shepherd, the gift of faith, the gift of miracles, and the gift of healings. We've looked at ten of these spiritual gifts together, and this morning we're going to consider three of these other gifts. The gifts of administration, the gifts of leadership, and the gift of apostleship. And this morning we're going to do that in a whistle-stop tour, so don't worry. It was going to be a whistle-stop tour of these three gifts before moving to an interview uh, with one of the individuals who I believe are foremost in exercising these giftings in our district here in the British Isles North District. So, without any further ado, let's, let's move to the Word and see what it says. This is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 27 to 31. And it's a wee refresher because we've read it a few times throughout this series. This is the Apostle Paul speaking to the church in Corinth and he says, Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? These are rhetorical questions that he's asking. He says, but earnestly desire the higher gifts. And I will show you a still more excellent way. So the first gift we're going to look at this morning is the gift of administration. What comes to your mind when you hear the word administration? Alison. Alison. <laughs> well, that's, that's good. We'll come to that, actually. Yeah? Administration, right? Admin- now, this gift is perhaps not what you initially think of whenever you hear the word administration. Now, this will come as no surprise to my church board, but I'm really not a fan of administration at all, right? I'm not a fan of admin. I do it because I have to, and uh, and without it, I would be severely disorganized and probably running around a wee bit like a headless chicken, if I'm honest, if you can picture that. But the gift of administration is much more than simply being enabled by the Spirit of God to keep your email inbox up to date, or keeping on top of your correspondence, or even making appointments. It's so much more than that. Rather, this gifting, the gift of administration, is key to the running and functioning of the church as a body. Now, the Greek word, and I'm not going to even try and pronounce it, right? but it's important. The Greek word for the spiritual gift of administration is used to refer to a shipmaster or captain. With a literal meaning, if you were to translate it into English, it literally means to steer. To steer. You know the way a captain would steer the ship? To steer. Or to rule or to govern. In other words, 
the Holy Spirit imparts the gift of administration to individuals to ensure that stuff gets done. Right? We all love doers, don't we? We love it when stuff gets done. To organize, to direct, and to help implement plans or lead others in the various ministries of the church. Now, the individual or the individuals with the gift of administration may not typically be the leader who is in charge, so to speak. And whilst there are occasions that they are, it is very often the case that this individual is not the pastor. And my church board would say amen to that, right? And in some, I would say, very sad cases, some of those with the gift of administration are not even in a position of leadership. In an ideal world, however, these individuals would work as implementers of the vision which God has given to the church. Not necessarily being the ones who have the vision, but being the individuals that ensure that that vision becomes a reality. That John Lennon song, you may say I'm a dreamer and I'm not the only one, right? But if there was a church full of dreamers and no implementers, nothing would get done. It goes with the gift of administration, help get stuff done. An example of this is seen in Paul's letter to Titus. And Paul writes to Titus and he says to Titus, my true child in a common faith, grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Saviour. This is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. Paul had a vision for Crete, given by God, and Titus, empowered by the Holy Spirit, made that vision a reality. That, in a nutshell, is what the gift of administration is. You see, because this individual is gift or task um, orientated, they're concerned with details and organization. And when they come across people who aren't detail orientated, it drives them a little bit bananas. Right? Have you met anybody like that? No names? But have you met anybody like that? Are you maybe a little bit like that? They may not necessarily be the, the strategist or the blue sky thinker, but they are highly practical and effective in implementing programs and ensuring that they run the way that they're supposed to. They're doers. They get stuff done. And every church needs a few people, at least, with the gift of administration. And I'm sure if you've been part of this church for long enough that you know that we have a few individuals who are just like that and been gifted by the Holy Spirit in this way. But maybe you are sitting and you're feeling that you, you're like, Sammy, you've just described me. You've just described me. Maybe, maybe that's the Holy Spirit giving a wee nudge and saying, maybe it's not just your own strength that you can do this in. But almost that the Holy Spirit is saying, you can earnestly desire this gift 
of administration, which in many ways supercharges those natural abilities that we have and almost focuses them on to the kingdom of God and the kingdom's purposes. So that's the gift of administration. Does that make sense so far? Yeah, I'm seeing a few nodding heads. Second one is the gift of leadership. Now, if I were to ask each individual in this room what makes a good leader, you'd probably come up with a lot of different answers because we look for different things. Different people look for different things in a leader. And whilst the gift of leadership wasn't mentioned in Paul's first letter to the Corinthians in the text that we read, it is mentioned and it is emphasised in the letter that he writes to the Romans in chapter 12. And in chapter 12 from verse 3 it says this, For by the grace given to me I say to everyone among you not to think of him or herself more highly than they ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, then in proportion to our faith. If service, in our service. The one who teaches in his or her teaching. The one who exhorts or encourages in their exhortation. The one who contributes in generosity. The one who leads with zeal. And the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Now I'm not going to bore you once again with the Greek. But it is important because it was the language that this letter was written in. And it gives a true sense as to what Paul is conveying. But translated from the Greek, the gift of leadership means to lead, to assist, to protect and to care for others. And it's closely linked, surprisingly, with the gift of pastor or shepherd, which we looked at a few weeks ago. And in the text that we just read, I don't know if you picked up, but it's sandwiched in between the gifts of giving and the gift of mercy. And this is no coincidence, okay? For the gift of leadership has more to do with caring for others than it does for getting stuff done. The gift of leadership has more to do with caring for others than it does for getting stuff done. Another way of putting that is that rather than it being task-orientated, it's people-orientated. It doesn't mean that the leader doesn't get stuff done, but it means that it's imperative and important to them that they bring people with them along the way. And this is so often exhibited in Jesus' ministry while he was here on earth. Chloe will be teaching Rosa about some of the miracles of Jesus. Do you know that the majority of Jesus' miracles took place when he detoured? When he took a detour and when he went out of his way to ensure that the needs of people were met. 
And it didn't detract from his mission. It didn't lessen the impact of his service to the Father. But rather, if anything, these detours added value and substance to the ministry in the eyes of the people. This is why Paul, in this Romans passage, instructs those who have the gift of leadership to lead with zeal. To do it with great energy and enthusiasm. To give it all that they have. And they would, and that they would do so with the help of the Holy Spirit. The world has a warped view of leadership. And the church needs to reclaim what the gift of leadership truly means. Because the success of a leader in the church is not and should not be based on the number of bums on seats. But rather it should be on how they help others succeed and grow in their spiritual walk with Jesus. I'll say that again. It's not about bums on seats. It's about how the leader gets alongside those under her or his care and helps them grow in their walk with Jesus. The role of leaders in the church is to care for and help God's people, leading them into a deeper relationship with Christ and with each other as well, going to great lengths to protect those who are under their care, to ensure that they are well equipped to lead through crisis situations and are visionary, willing to take risks to see the kingdom of God advanced through the church. And sadly, sadly again, there are those who have this God-given gifting and are not given the opportunity to exercise this gift in the life of the church. Or even still, they stand back and shy away from this gifting in their life, perhaps due to fear, or fear of ridicule, or even fear of appearing arrogant. And we want to ensure that that doesn't happen here in our congregation. This gift is given for the building up of the church, not so that people can build their own kingdom, but rather that we may build the kingdom of God together. So that's a whistle-stop tour of that. This one's going to be even shorter. Amen? Amen. Right? The gift of apostleship. Now this gift is mentioned in both Ephesians chapter 4 and in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And it's very often shied away from because people sometimes confuse it with the office of apostle, which was held by a limited number of men who were chosen by Jesus, which included the 12 disciples and the apostle Paul. And there were some very specific requirements to be and to hold the office of apostle. Namely, you had to be a faithful eyewitness 
of Jesus' ministry and his resurrection. And you had to be called by Jesus himself in the flesh. Now that's the office of apostle that it talks of in the scripture. But we're talking about something different. We're talking about the gift of apostleship. Okay, those with the gift of apostleship, which again, as I said, mentioned in Ephesians 4, and then again in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, those with the gift of apostleship are tasked and empowered by the Holy Spirit to plant new things, new ministries, new churches, to go to places where the gospel is not preached. In many ways, as we lifted our missionary offering today, we contribute to the work of apostleship throughout our world, where they are tasked with reaching across cultures to establish churches in difficult and spiritually hard areas, to raise up and develop new leaders for the work of the kingdom. Some with the gift of apostleship are called to be pastor of pastors, and to pour their life into caring for those who care for others. In other words, those with the gift of apostleship are leaders of leaders, influencers, almost entrepreneurial individuals, women and men, who take great calculated risks for the sake of the glory of God and the souls of men, women and children. Individuals with this gifting won't have this gift in isolation, but will have been imparted other gifts by the Holy Spirit to allow them to fulfill the ministry to which they have been called. They're not more spiritual than anybody else. They're not more spiritual than those who have other gifts, but rather it just so happened that the Holy Spirit, in his wisdom, which is so far superior to ours, has chosen to impart this gifting to this woman or to this man for the building up, encouragement and edification of the church. I'm done, but I I really want to make this practical for you. So I got in touch with an individual who I believe is one of the greatest leaders in our district, And many of you will know him when he appears on the screen. He'll introduce himself as well. But we have a wee conversation about leadership and apostleship um, that I really feel is very relevant for us all today. Let's tune in. Well, good morning, Ian. Thank you so much uh, for joining us. For those in the McGain congregation who might not know who you are, do you just want to take the opportunity to introduce yourself very quickly? Yeah, sure. Thanks, Sammy. Thanks for asking me uh, this morning. My name's Ian Wills. I'm currently the minister at the Nazarene Church in Parkhead in the east end of Glasgow. Um, But I am just about to make the move to uh, Trinity Perth, uh, the Church of the Nazarene up there. So that will happen quite soon. Brilliant. And we're very excited for you and we'll be praying for you and your family as you make that transition. Um, And today, uh, the reason I've asked you, uh, as you know, to to join us this morning is that we've been looking at the gifts of leadership and apostleship um, this morning. Um, So I I see those gifts in you um, and I've known you for a long time. And I just wanted to ask you a few questions, have a conversation with you about these. So I guess the first 
conversation, the first question rather is a bit uh, two-edged. Um, but the first question is, first of all, from your perspective, what makes a good leader? And then what do you think is the difference between someone with leadership skills and someone who has the gift of leadership? Hmm. Yeah, well, so I think you know, what makes a good leader, there, there are all kinds of varieties of, of leader. And I think we have to recognize that, that uh, the way leaders operate can be very different, but they're still exceptionally good leaders. But here's, here's a few things that strike me about good leadership. Good, good leaders need to be um, open to listen and learn and adapt and change themselves as they help to create healthy change. So I think that teachability and willingness to change ourselves is critical if we're gonna be asking other people to change as well. Um, and then I think another thing about good leadership is a sense of clarity about uh, the, the mission and the purpose. What, what, what is the cause that we're involved in? Uh, what's the change we're trying to create? Uh, you know, I think leaders need to be going in a particular direction, but it's gotta be the right direction. Um, and so I, I think good, good leaders, I think also particularly in the church's context, are good followers of Jesus uh, because we, we want to be going in the directions that Jesus uh, goes in. Um, and so I, I think that would be important. And care for others. I think a leader, if we become so driven by the task of leadership, we forget that this is about people. It's always about people. And uh, if we're not careful, then people get lost or hurt in a leader's determination. Uh, and so good leaders care about others. Uh, they're aware of themselves, uh, what they're good at, what they're not, and aware of others, what they're good at, what they're not. Um, so I think that, that, that these are probably some key elements uh, to good leadership. Mm -hmm. And I think that whole, uh, knowing where you're going is important because you, you can be um, a good leader but lead in the wrong place or the wrong direction. And uh, that's problematic. So uh, having clarity of, you know, what, where are we leading people to? And is it really in the line of Christ? Is that where Jesus would lead? So that, 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 that's the first question, good, what makes a good leader? The difference between leadership skills and the spiritual gift of leadership. I've I been mean, wrestling, you know, trying to work this through my mind, Simon. It's a great question. Um, maybe a little bit difficult to answer. So I've, I've come up with this. I, I think this is something to do with the ministry and operation of the Holy Spirit in the leader's life, in a person's life, uh, that, that shifts this from just a skill or a natural aptitude to something to a gifting under the influence of the Holy Spirit and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. The truth is some great leaders have done some terrible things in history, right up to the present day. Um, but you couldn't discount that they were great leaders. Mm -hmm. But they just led terribly in terms of uh, the, the things they did, the way they operated, the destruction they brought. Well, that, that's, that's leadership, but it's, it's, it could never be conceived of as a gift of the Spirit. And so I think we need to be, make sure that our leadership aptitude or gifting is in the spirit 
um, directed by the Spirit. Um, our posture in leadership is uh, under the Spirit and um, like Jesus. Um, I, I think there is, I would believe, in the anointing of the Holy Spirit for particular uh, tasks and gifts. And I mean, I think there are some people who, who do have natural gifting of leadership. But there is something different about the anointed leader, uh, where something about their life in the Spirit and the Spirit's life in them that takes this leadership gifting and turns it into something much more. Um, and so I, I think that operation in the Holy Spirit redefines, redirects, and almost reorientates leadership and always does so towards Christ and the kingdom. So I think that's where I see the difference between just you know innate leadership gifting and leadership as a gift of the Holy Spirit, that operation of the Spirit in us. Yeah, and that's so good and so important, you know, as it is even with all the gifts of the Spirit, the clue is in the name, right? Absolutely. That they are given by the Spirit and almost supercharged by yeah. the Spirit. You know, that you talked, people, people can have a, a natural aptitude for leading, but whenever they have the gift of leadership, it's like it's supercharged. Yeah. Um, uh, and really almost um, almost sieved through the sieve uh, of the Holy Spirit, uh, given that yeah. Um, yeah. direction. And, and, and it changes the way we lead. I mean, it really does that, that operation, that uh, the, the increase of the Spirit in us always uh, changes and transforms the way in which we do anything. And that's no different in terms of uh, of leadership and so maybe the gift is that he he ignites that leadership or reorientates it in a different way that is much more aligned with god and his kingdom yeah brilliant stuff really good and, and i think it's not a question but more a statement that i'm sure you'd agree with that that you don't need to be a pastor or a minister to have this gift of leadership I, I, in fact you know we may come on to this in a little moment but i you know leadership uh, and the gift of leadership is operating all the time in all kinds of places, not, not just a pastor or a board member or a, uh, you know, someone with a position. In fact, positional leadership is small in comparison to true leadership. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I would want to wholeheartedly say we, we, we have the opportunity to lead in all types of contexts and ways uh, rather than just saying that's a pastor who does that. Or, you know, so yeah. Amen. Brilliant, brilliant stuff. And we could sit and chat about that all day because we both have Good. a reputation for that uh, as well. But, but we'll move on to the second question just for the sake of time. Um, but what, what do you think then is the difference between the gift of leadership that we've been talking about and this gift of apostleship, uh, which is mentioned in Paul's letters? Yeah, so I, I think this is a more practical kind of um, response from me. I, I think I see the gift of leadership as a collective name for a variety of types of, of leadership. Um, it, it, it kind of may cover some of the other gifts. So, for instance, if, we, if you were to go to Ephesians 4, um, where it talks about apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher, pastor, teacher, however you want to, uh, to, to talk about that, what? often has been called apest, uh, apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher. Um, in some ways, they're all expressions of leadership uh, in, in very different ways. 
And so I, I kind of see that that reference in Romans 12 to a gift of leadership could probably, there's a few things could hang from that one term. And so in relation to apostle, what I think I would say is all apostles exercise leadership, but not all leaders exercise an apostle ministry. Mm. Um, so I think if an apostle is not leading, then there's something not right. They're, they're not living into their apostle gifting and calling. But that you can be a leader and not necessarily be an apostle. Uh, there are other ways to lead. Um, and so I think that for me would be the, 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 the biggest shift. Apostleship is an expression of leadership, mm-hmm. um, but it's not the only expression of leadership. No, absolutely. And we've, we've spent some time this morning looking as well at how the uh, gift of apostleship is different than the office of apostle as described in the scriptures. And that's a really important um, differentiant to make. Um, but the gift of apostleship um, is, is a gift in, that I see in you and one that you have um, exhibited in your leadership in the church in Parkhead, but also uh, whenever you were field director for Northern Europe and, and that sort of stuff. Um, but I want to ask you then, um, what, why, why do you think that the gift of apostleship is important to the church? Or conversely, is it even important to the church? Yeah, yeah so, I mean, some of it may depend on which, where, when we think about the church, if we think about it globally, I think there are some places around the world where the church is uh, new and growing and it probably has a high percentage of apostles. And, and in those places, what they really need is shepherds and teachers. You know, so uh, depending on where you are in the world may determine w- w- which gifts do we need. So if I, if I think about the Church of the Nazarene around the world, um, you know, particularly in South Asia, where the church is, has exploded with evangelism, new church plants, what do they need? They need shepherds and teachers. Um, you know, the, the, the amount of apostles evangelists, uh, you know, is, is in, increasing exponentially, but they, they need um, the, the, that stable working alongside people for shepherding and teaching. Now, if you bring that over to... Uh, Northern Europe or Europe in general uh, and certainly the Northern Hemisphere, maybe even wider I think this is a new age where we need to recapture particularly that apostle gifting, the apostleship uh, type of gifting and and here's here's why an apostle apostleship reimagines the church in response to both the present and the future. Um, they, they have an ability and a gifting to, um, to envision what could be things that are not already there in response to the realities of the world around us. And then not, not only can they reimagine what that would be like, not only can they see it, but then they, they begin to work towards it, to enter that, to make that change happen towards this new vision and they do it with God and for God and they need to do it with people and for people. But I think just now and for all kinds of reasons in our context, it's more important than ever before because there's been 
such a seismic change in the landscape of our culture over a long period of time um, and change in the church. And then, of course, COVID has thrown everything up in the air and everything's changing. And I think the apostle gifting is absolutely essential because we are in a season and a period and a generation where we are having to reimagine and re-envision what does the church of Jesus Christ look like in this generation with so much changing around us and and how do we make that happen? Now you need apostles to lead in that direction, to, to see what's around, to see a new vision, a new imagination of the church, and then to work out how do we, how do we enter that? How do we follow it? Uh, and how do we make the changes that are necessary? I, I think it's absolutely essential. I think that's what an apostle does. Yeah, brilliant. I could sit and chat with this all day with you. I think you know that. Um, but for the sake of the congregation, I was I was always told you can only sit through what your bum can endure. Um, so I'm going to park it there. Uh, but thank you so much. Uh, and I'm sure that this is going to be such a blessing to the guys in McGeehan. We love you. And uh, we're going to pray for you as you make that transition, you and your family, um, to a new new harvest field in Perth. But for now, God bless. Thank you so much. And we'll chat to you Thanks, soon. Thanks, Sammy. God bless you. Bless you. Bye. Hey, man. You can only, t- you can only take in what your bum can endure. Isn't that right? <laughs> I thought that was a good line. Um, time's got away from us again this morning. And I want to honour your time. And we want to stay safe um, this morning. But we've looked at three. We've done a whistle-stop tour of three very important gifts of the Spirit, gift of administration, and those with this gifting are empowered to get things done. They're task or goal orientated. Those with the gift of leadership are empowered to care for and lead the people of God into deeper relationship with Him and with each other. And are visionary. They discern where the Spirit of God is leading them and those under their care in the next season. And those with the gift of apostleship and as Ian said, I think we really need to be praying that God would raise up more apostles in our generation. And maybe that could be you, because we are to earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. And those with the gift of apostleship are entrepreneurial risk takers who reimagine the church in response to both the present and the future and make the change happen with God and for God, with people and four people. None of these giftings are greater than the other. All are important and empowered by the same Spirit of God. So maybe this morning the challenge could be this. Earnestly desire these giftings. Press into God for them, for the sake of the church, and for the sake of those who are not yet part of us, that we would go in Jesus' name. Let's pray together as we...